When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On the Texas A&M Sports Network, this is Studio 12. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I stayed awake for all 16 innings last night, and I am paying that price today. But it is the price of victory, so we'll take it. Yeah, I, I am proud to say that I went to bed about 9 o'clock. I was very tired. and well, you just said didn't uh, make it. Didn't make it. No, I made it, it to, to the 8th inning, 7th or 8th <laughs> inning. I was like, I've watched enough Diamond Sports this weekend. I said, go get them, Schloss and the boys. And woke up this morning and saw the old 16 inning email. Mm-hmm. Fell asleep, listened to the dulcet t- sounds of Andrew Monaco. Oh, yeah. Put my AirPods in. <laughs> I think I made it to <laughs> the 11th. put you to sleep. I think I, I, think I made it to the like 11th, maybe. I said, I told myself after 12, that's enough. Got to go to bed. Monday is next. And I said, all right, well, let me just see if we win in the 13th. And I just repeated that for mm-hmm. the 14th, the 15th, the 16th. Well, at some point, once you're invested enough, you have to stay I, up. I yeah. know. That part of me said, well, now I've got to finish. I've probably messed up tomorrow enough anyway. I'll be so tired. I might as well finish what I have in front of me now and see if the Aggies win this thing. So. I did that uh, one time. It was probably 10 or 15 years ago. The Rockies were playing. It was the year they made their World Series run. They were playing, I think, in San Diego. So it started with a nine o'clock game, and they start playing, and they get to like the twelfth, the thirteenth. I was like, "Well, now I'm now I got to stay up, twenty-two innings." Oh. And at like two in the morning, I was like, "Oh, zombie, zombie no. mode, <laughs> crash yeah. down." Yeah. So, yeah, I'm gonna zombie through this uh, show on this Monday, but I think I got to bed about one fifteen. I don't know what I don't even know what time the game ended. Probably about one, and then I was in bed right after that, but. <laughs> Aggies won in baseball last night, 4-2 to two over Texas Tech in 16 innings. We'll get to that in a moment. It is Will Johnson, Tyler Pig, and Matt Simon with you on this Monday edition of Studio 12. And as we often do, we're going to go around Aggieland. And it is presented to you by Anco. They are a proud partner of Texas A&M Athletics. And they provide independent, client-focused, and value-driven solutions for all your insurance needs. Visit anco.com. Like I said, baseball in a bit, but let's start with basketball. March is here. March is well underway. The Aggies close the regular season with a 
I don't know how you put it, marchly magnificent win oh, over copyright that over wow. the Alabama Crimson Tide, the number two team in the nation. A&M wins it at Reed Arena in front of another sellout crowd, in front of another high-energy, high-impact 12th man effect. And just a terrific Saturday afternoon. It started as a Saturday morning against Alabama, but a great Saturday afternoon in Texas A&M beats number two Bama, closes the regular season. Next up for the Aggies, number two seed in the SEC tournament. They will not play until Friday in Nashville. So just what a way to close, as good as it gets. And now it just has you that much more excited for what's to come as it's tournament time, SEC tournament than NCAAs. But they, they they had Alabama down for a while, but you knew mm-hmm. Alabama was going to punch back. But they withstood that Alabama punch and closed them out late. Yeah, I mean, well, you're right. Alabama's got some pros. Like Brandon Miller, Quinterly, Betty Ako, like they're really good. Uh, that's why they won the league, obviously, and went to some really hostile environments. But it wasn't enough on Saturday. And it all starts, I think, you know, with Wade Taylor, 28 points, boots with 21 Um I think just the way that they were able to kind of withstand that Alabama late charge at the end of the second half to pull away and keep it a six-point game down the stretch was really big for this team. Uh, I mean, when you talk about who we beat in conference play to get to this point to finish 15-3, and three, which is the most wins in conference play since 1922-23, since um, I just think this was kind of the – really the climax to a really strong uh, SEC slate. Like we talked about on Friday show, like I don't think anyone else would have picked this team to finish 15 and three in the league in December. Uh, and, and to be able to beat Alabama, now the highest ranked win in school history um, in front of over nearly 13,000 people at Reed Arena was really just the, the cherry on top of the cake. I mean, it just was an awesome experience. And I actually had some Alabama friends that were in town for this game. They said it's one of the loudest basketball environments they have ever been in their entire time watching Alabama basketball. They travel a good bit and um, they moved down here, live in Huntsville, you know, 30 minutes away. But they were like, this is insane what we saw at Reno Reno on a, on a Saturday at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And I told them, so. welcome to Texas A&M. <laughs> yeah, and now go back home with your L. Yeah. Here. Take your L and go back home. Uh, uh, I, I didn't get to – well, I was watching it. It was it's, You know what it's a little difficult is to watch a basketball game on your iPad and call a softball game in front of you <laughs> so that was me on saturday as we were playing at the same exact time but the place looked electric the place looked it just looked like an awesome game to be at and uh as the aggie fans have found it's it's been so much fun to watch this team uh roll through i i do like how they came out and and threw you know threw some big punches at them and then they you know alabama was going to make their run we knew what they're really good at alabama very good outside yep. shooting team and uh, to hold them to 61 points, that's uh, 22 <clears throat> in the first half. I mean, that's 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 an incredible number of yeah. what they average in the first half scoring. And, and that team is was going to be the overall probably number one seed in the tournament. May or may not be now, but they'll for sure be a number one seed. But what it goes to show you is that this team, and we'll see how the postseason shakes out. But this team has found a way to beat teams in different ways. You know, this team, this elite team, can do this. This is how we can slow them down. This team can do that. This is how we can slow them down. That's what excites me about the postseason is they've showed enough versatility. Now, it doesn't guarantee they're going to make a deep run, but they've showed enough versatility to be able to adjust sort of how they play to fit their opponent, and that's pretty scary, I would think, for an, uh, for a team you're going to match up with in the NCAAs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Aggie basketball, 67-61 over second-ranked Alabama on Saturday at Reed Arena. When it was over, Buzz Williams was courtside with Andrew Monaco and Dr. John Thornton, a portion of that conversation 
right here, right now. Coach, I'm just going to lay it out. Your thoughts after this one and after a 15-3 and three conference record. Well, I, I don't know um, that I would be great currently answering such a broad question. It's just so many, so many layers to it. Um, we were six and five with two quad four losses December the 20th, and uh, we've won 17 out of the last 20 games. It's incredibly hard to do uh, in junior high. It's really hard to do at this level. And I think the only way that you have a chance to even come close is for everybody to carry their own water and then each day try to figure out how to carry a little bit more. Our staff has been as good as I've ever seen. The receptiveness of our players to do the work, to be engaged mentally, to be engaged physically, emotionally. The last 60 days has been a lot. Yeah. And uh, they carried that burden from six and five to seven and five, seven and five to seven and six. And now we're, now we're on the road in game number one at Florida. And it's just been situation after situation after situation after example after example including today and you know like I, i've been telling them uh, we're not the best uh we don't have the best players who is who is our best player well i don't know it kind of depends on what game you're talking <laughs> about situation yeah uh, i'm not the best coach uh i don't have the best coaches um it's not an individual deal but we have the best team. Mm -hmm. We have the best staff. And everybody is very aware of what they're good at. And I also think that everybody's very aware of what they're not good at. And they're willing to be unselfish on, hey, I'm going to let you do that because you're better at it than I am. And while you're doing that, I'm going to try to help you. But I can't do it as well as you can. And there's never been any drama relative to that and um in this new model of college athletics when you're six and five <clears throat> to win 15 conference games you, you can't you can't articulate it without initially speaking to the character of the men involved it's impossible and eventually you have to talk about their skill and eventually you have to talk about their talent but if the character is not elite, you have no shot. And uh, my heart is scarred because you can't recreate this. Right. Um, it's a special time with special people doing special things. And it's all built on love. And as Rock says, where there's love, there's magic. And like, uh, hey, they run horns for the first time and Solo steals it. Right. That's magic. And then we shoot it, and they get the rebound, and Andy sneaks in and seals the game with a steal. That's magic. Henry has zero points and zero rebounds. We sub him in, and he takes a charge. That's magic. Then he gets the offensive rebound that leads to the basket. That's magic. You could just keep right. going, and you could do that in every game. And... As I've been saying, the symmetry, the chemistry, the cohesiveness, um, I'm just honored to be able to be a part. Um, because you, you, 
you know that every day as it transpires, you're like, God, I'm just thankful. Right. And that gratitude, it changes your heart. Yeah. And it kind of changes the tone of voice that you use. And like when you give dap, it's real dap. Right. And when you give a hug, it's not a man hug. It's like, no, I love you. You can hug me. And you you don't, uh, everybody has so many stories prior to here, but to be able to write this sort of story, I, I, I'm humbled. Buzz Williams courtside after the win over Alabama. If you want to hear all of it, uh, hit the Studio 12 podcast. You can go to 12thman.com slash podcast, and the postgame show after the win over Alabama is right there for you. But that was Buzz. He and the Aggies are the number two seed now in the SEC tournament. They will play Friday in Nashville. I believe it's the Arkansas-Auburn winner. Yeah. Yes. 7-10 game. I would say, I'm doing the bracketology look right now, Arkansas probably firmly in the tournament. Um, I would say, again, we were told last year the SEC tournament doesn't matter, according to the selection show and the committee. But if you're Auburn, you probably need to win – two games i think they're in the tournament right now but if you lose to arkansas you're pretty much on thin ice you're they're right now in the last four buys mississippi state is the last team in the sec out of the sec they would play in dayton on tuesday night so aggies are still a seven seed in joe lenardi's bracket which is just a pinch too low yeah for me i think this team's a six seed right now mm-hmm. um but that's just where i am i don't have my bracketology website you know done yet so i'll have to start working on that yeah for the longest free time. Uh, i thought Lenardi had us right, and Jerry Palm had us wrong. But I've switched tunes on him. Jerry Palm has the Aggies as a tell five you what, seed, and I think that's much closer. To Joe Lenardi's doing the one seeds no favor right now. The projected one seeds are uh, – he's got Kansas as the number one overall seed, which I, I don't – I would say the team that's 90 minutes south of us would probably be the number one overall seed, and the Cougs. Mm-hmm. They beat Memphis yesterday on the road. I actually think Alabama's the number two top seed. Um, they have Alabama matched up with Maryland and FAU who are both really good teams. How about Kansas matched up in Des Moines with Missouri and Memphis? That's a pretty tough one. And then Houston Houston right now would get uh, Illinois, Arkansas in the round of 32 in Denver. But a potential Kansas, Missouri second Second round 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 game matchup in Des Moines. How much security would you need? Hide hide the uh, beverages for the over-21 crowd, folks. And my blood pressure went up about 30 points when I just saw his uh, potential second-round yes, matchup right. for the Aggies. Yeah, in Denver, right? Don't think I didn't enjoy looking across at uh, the old Ferrell Center uh, Saturday <laughs> watching all them sad fans walk out of there with an L hung on them by Iowa State. I thought about this. I wouldn't put it past the selection committee in the round of 32 if this team was a 7 to get the team in green and gold or the team in burnt orange and That's white. That's it. Happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Lenardi has possibly A&M paired with Baylor in the second round. You talk about A&M possibly paired with Texas in the second round. If Texas and Baylor are two seeds, I don't think it happens because I don't think A&M's a seventh seed. I think I'm they're a five you. or a six, and I probably lean toward a five at this point. Yeah, but you know they do have the ability to flex one way or the other right. to avoid conference-type yeah. matchups. And but you could you know, play with the seeds a little bit, but <clears throat> – but yeah, that's where the Aggies are right now, and it's a good place to be. Yeah, March this is, is a good here. conversation to have. Yeah. yeah, we feel a lot better than we did this time last year. So. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But March is here, and the Aggies will be a part of the madness. SEC tournament is up first, and they'll play on Friday. 
Uh, women's basketball completed their run in the SEC tournament last week. Won two games there. Uh, Joni Taylor and her team finally bowed out against Ole Miss in the quarterfinals, but a couple of good victories to close out the season for Coach Taylor and her team, and they now look forward to the future. Got some good young talent. She's off on the recruiting trail. We know that. <laughs> uh, so more is coming. But they battled injury all year long. It hurt depth. We know that there were several games they basically played with seven players, and it's just so hard to go through an SEC schedule in that manner. So it was nice to see them go out with some po- some positivity and carry a little momentum into the offseason, getting those two wins in Greenville at the SEC tournament. Yeah, and I think in an honest moment, that was probably a high-water showing for them. Ole Miss, I thought, was always going to be a really tough matchup, yeah. but the Aggies are – as Joni has said, a not a good shooting team from outside. Ole Miss, a very strong defensive team. It would have been a really tall ask to have them get past Ole Miss, but for them to pick up those two wins, huge. And I think, honestly, Will, where the Aggies can make the biggest leap this summer is the transfer portal. You've got some highly talented freshmen coming in all on the outside. You've got some all the young kids back that you had uh, this year. You lose, you, know, you lose Patty and you lose Mackenzie Green. Yep. Um, need to find a couple more bigs to help out Jada and give Janiya a little bit more flexibility down there. But if the Aggies can, and, and that's where I think the end of the season was great. You know, you pick up the win at the end of the year, all this positive pub about the program and coach and what she's doing, and then you go two wins in that tournament, uh, you're going to have some kids that are in the portal going, huh, I'll take a look at this real quick. You yep. know, and you can make a huge leap um, with that. But yeah, a really cool way to wrap up a. A season and the the thing that's most impressive to me tp and i don't know what you think but like i love that they kind of went into the season and she basically said this at the start of the year but they they went in kind of expecting to see what they ended up seeing yeah but they didn't change their mindset they didn't change their approach stayed immensely positive through the entire year you know called a spade a spade when she had to when the team didn't do it the way she wanted things done but I just love the fact that she kept that attitude through the entire season, understanding that it was going to be a grind, understanding it was mm. going to be a beatdown, understanding they were building for the future. Yeah, I thought the 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 season there's some really high points, and and you talked about Matt when you only can play with seven players, it's so hard to develop the lineup, the rotations you want, the sets you want to run, and we kind of saw it down the stretch what this team could do. And you know, I was really impressed in the Mississippi State win. Obviously, you know, Sydney Bowles hit six threes, um, but that's a role she can have on this team next year when you add three impact freshman transfers. You could get another post player in, in, in the in the portal maybe which I think I said last week is kind of like getting the, the like the big time left tackle in football like yeah. there's not a lot of post players in women's basketball that jump into the portal that are elite difference makers but if you can get one or get two that are really serviceable that helps when, with Sydney Roby hopefully coming back next year um, but I, I think you know this team's got a, a, a pretty high ceiling next year with the pieces they have this this year offseason for like Janiya Barker Tanea Hilton uh, Sahara Jones uh, and you could even put Jada Malone in there it's going to be a big offseason of growth i think in their first true offseason under the staff and her journey taylor so i think there's a lot of positive things to build on and to get those two wins in the tournament you get a little bit of a good taste in your mouth going into uh march and april when the recruiting trail really hits in the it's an effect so here is head coach joni taylor after the close to the season her comments to bring some finality to the women's basketball campaign hey joni what did you learn about yourself and this team in the year that you guys just went through? 
Well, I think the first thing is, um, you know, trusting our instincts. We knew when we when we came and got this team that we were going to be, it was going to be a process. It's the reason why our motto for the year is becoming. We knew that this year we weren't going to arrive at any final destination. And so from the very beginning, we started planting seeds about how we're going to measure success. And this is a season of sowing. And, and then there will be a season of harvest later in the future. But for this year, it's about laying the foundation and every day showing up being better today than you were yesterday. And so it's, it's, it's honestly back to the things that we always talk about, building a foundation, trusting the process, and putting people around you who are going to be on the same train with you going in the right direction, and we're building a bridge as we cross it. So that's who we are, and that's, the, that's what we started building in this team when we got here. Um, and you can see that, you know, I think over the last two days and even moments today, you can see the growth that happened over the year. We've had a lot of challenges and I'm happy for all of them because that's how you build resilience is how you get tougher and that's how you have to go through things. And so to, to take a team who none of them have ever experienced playing in this league, whether they're seniors or juniors, they were on the bench last year. So for them to play the minutes they played this year, Patty said it, you know, it's invaluable to them. The ones who are returning our younger players. Um, and, and we're going to just keep plugging along. But this was a great way for us to, to – obviously, we didn't end it today the way we wanted to, but what a great way to end our season and, and for them to have a little bit of reward for all that they went through this year. Aaliyah said um, she wishes we, we could hear what you said in the locker room. Would you be able to share a little bit of what you were telling your team and, and what was your message to the, the young core moving forward about just how – the potential that they have? How did I know you were going to ask me that? <laughs> um, what, I, what I told them was, you know, we've got we've to continue to be consistent. Right. There was a team that showed up Wednesday, Thursday, and there's a team that showed up today. And which team are we? And that's part of our youth. We've got to continue to to put games together and put quarters together. And then I told them the future is going to be really bright here. And we need to make sure that everybody that's returning is on that same page because we don't want to play again on Wednesday. We don't want to have another year where we only have two wins in conference play. That's not why we came to Texas A&M, and that's not why you came here. That's not why you're in the Southeastern Conference. So these this time that you have off now, you know, obviously hit the books and get back to school and, and make sure that our academics are in order and really evaluate, you know, yourself and how much you're committed to this because this train, again, is moving in one direction and, and everybody needs to be moving that way and making sure that we understand that this spring, this summer, it's going to be challenging. You know, we've got we've to continue to make strides. And so I think what we have to continue to put in place for our players is be proud of what we have done. We grew a lot this year. But even in that growing, we've got a long way to go. And so I just want to make sure that they don't think that we have arrived anywhere because there's still a ton of work to do in College Station. That's head coach Joni Taylor. She now looks to forward to the future with Texas A&M women's basketball. They win a couple of games in the SEC tournament before bowing out against Ole Miss in the quarterfinals. So we will move it on to the Diamond Sports. They were both out of town but not too far away. Baseball went down south to Houston. Softball went up north to Waco. Uh, we'll touch on it here. Baseball, as we said, you know it. We kind of led with it. That's why uh, I sound brutal uh, This today on the podcast. Uh, up for all 16 innings last night in the 4-2 to win over Texas Tech. The Aggies in the Shriners Hospital College Classic down at Minute Maid Park, the home of the Astros. They win two games, and it was a nice turnaround. Got blasted on Friday against a very good Louisville team, but you bounce back and you run rule Rice in a victory on Saturday, and then you go 16 innings and get the win over Texas Tech yesterday, I would say, but I guess this morning is when it all closed out. But a great response after Louisville and really 
the story to me was pitching. You got two really good starts Saturday, Sunday. Troy Wanzing on Saturday. Chris Cortez was good last yep. night against Texas Tech, and you got it from the bullpen uh, two days in a row, Saturday and Sunday. Bullpen was so good last night. Uh, Evan Oshenbeck again. Uh, Justin Lampkin nailed it down. Uh, Will Johnston threw some quality mm-hmm. innings, got the Aggies some distance out of the pen. Uh, we had some questions about the bullpen and the way they were working going to Houston. I think Jim Schlossnagel, we'll hear from him in just a second, but I think he found some answers in the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of them from the left side. Like I think we realize Will Johnston's going to be pretty good and maybe the, we can quote, closer of this team if when, it, when you really need some outs. But two back-to-back, I thought just – when needed shutdown performances out of Evan Oshenbeck. And he's not a guy we had on our radar early on in the year. Um, but he was basically perfect for four and two-thirds last night with eight punch-outs. Mm-hmm. Against a Tech team who can usually hit. Um, and, and I think this is a that's a really good sign that he may become that Jacob Palish type guy where he can go long two or three innings in a ball game. I, I think Justin Lampkin's ceiling is really high here. I think his fastball is really good. He's got a great slider and um, to have that success after not having a great weekend two weekends ago against uh, against Portland um, to see Justin pitch as well as he did is, is big time and um, finally the offense kind of clicked there right, right at the end. Took advantage of a couple tech miscues. Uh, made some really nice defensive plays on the night. Uh, one by Ryan Targot early in the ballgame to keep it uh, a scoreless game and like you said, Will Troy Wansing and Chris Cortez back-to-back really good starts and that's what Jim Schlossnagel talked about. Getting those sophomores back in the rotation, getting them chances to to get some data on him and the last you know two weeks they've been outstanding and I don't think we'll get a, a Nathan Detmer like that on Friday night very often when we get the SEC play that's kind of a typical Nathan Detmer for sure yeah yeah and when you switch it over to the offense you mentioned that they had some hard hit balls late there in the 16th that helped them win the game yeah. it did create some tech miscues it's a team that's going to hit but you're still kind of waiting for it they did put up some runs against Rice but there was some Rice pitching problems that yeah. helped that along uh, this was a 16-inning game, and if you want to just do a game within a game, there, there was a nine-inning stretch there. The Aggies didn't have a hit. Tech yep. No hit them uh, for about a portion of a game. And you, you get Jack Moss and Ryan Targach and Austin Boast and Trevor Werner and Jordan Thompson. You know, none of them are hitting at the clip they did a year ago. But we, we say it's early. We believe they will hit. These are good hitters, and it will come. And Austin Boast had some swings. Yeah over the weekend. So the hitting, I still believe it's coming. Uh, you do want to see it happen in big games. LSU is coming to town to start conference play in two weeks. You want it to arrive by then. Hitting is something that comes and goes anyway. Yep. I mean, you could be a 310 hitting team, but there will be nights where an opposing pitcher shuts you down. So, But uh, right now you're, you're kind of still waiting for the hitting to come, but you do, there's that caveat of, you know who we have in the lineup, and you know it eventually will come around. For sure. And I, and two guys that stuck out over the weekend to me, Will, were Caden Kent. He's already up to 10 RBIs. Mm-hmm. He's played a couple different positions. Started at third on Saturday night, was back and left on Sunday. Uh, Austin Bose had a good weekend. His average is like 255 right now. But that's because he yeah. was at 080 yeah. a week and a half ago. So, so he's coming. He's yeah, coming he, up. He's on the run. Um, he's on I, the rise. I yeah. thought Jack Moss had some really good at-bats over the weekend and find green grass yeah. all the time. But I, I thought – He had like, a couple. He had a ball deep into the gap last night that yep. they ran down. They ran that down. could have been extra bases if it falls. And then Hunter Haas is the is the is really the straw mm-hmm. that's turned the drink right now at the top of the order. So there's some really big pieces. I think the the, the Laviolettes and the Targotches and the Warners of the world are going to get going. And um, this team is going to be a good hitting ball club when we get to league play. 
All right, and I'm surprised we had this audio, man, inform me right before we started. We do have Jim Schlossnagel. I figured when that game was over, everybody hit the bus, get back to college get station, and try to find your bed. Because <laughs> A&M has five games this week. A&M plays UIW tomorrow night. They go to Rice Wednesday, and then it's Northern Kentucky for the final hey, non-conference We're a full-service podcast <laughs> yeah. here, Will. This is money that we have Jim Schlossnagel right here for you after the 16-inning win over Texas Tech that finished this morning. Here is the head coach. Triners Classic in, in extra innings in you. It, it, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. No, I'm just really proud of you know, Obviously, it wasn't a great offensive game for really either team, but super proud of how uh, Asherbeck, I mean, Will Johnson pitched out of a big jam there, obviously, the infield in, and then um, Asherbeck, second time this weekend, <clears throat> to him, for him to come in and throw another 50 pitches was was awesome. So, two two really good teams trying to find themselves early in the season, and so that was a good ball game. Jim, what are you, what are you kind of seeing from Evan? He's a guy I went back and looked at my ball report. I didn't even mention it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, he, he was a strike throwing lefty from Blinn that honestly we beat around a little bit, and and we felt like, hey, you know whoever cut a strike throwing lefty, so we'll let, let's just keep him around and see what happens. And there's always players that show you stuff in practice that you think are going to make them great players in games, and they, they, the lights come on, and it's the exact opposite. And then every now and then you have the, the opposite of that. You have a guy who's he's never thrown 92 miles an hour in an in a inter-squad game, and he's done that three or four times now. And now he's throwing three and four different pitches, and he's going to, he's going to get in, in the discussion to pitch in our rotation in some form. You're no stranger to these long games. How, how much is this a battle of attrition and just who blinks first? More yeah, so than, you know, know we, we got guys moment. banged up. Warner's really sick. Minnick obviously out there. I probably shouldn't have pinched Rand for our best hitter, Boast. Uh, ended up him out of the lineup. But um, played really good defense. Haas played his rear end off at shortstop. And, uh, and I thought Hank Bard caught really well. Um, you know, I know it was yesterday, but I thought Cortez, Cortez was awesome. Cortez against a good lineup, uh, or at least a team that's been scoring a lot of runs, and I thought Cortez did a really good job against him. What are the conversations? What is said in the dugout as it keeps going? Nah, I, mean, I mean, guys just trying to keep each other positive. It's so hard to win these games as the visiting team, you know, because you're just one pitch away from losing, especially with that porch out there in left field. But, you know, we got lucky they squared some balls up. Cash squared some balls up with, with guys on base, and I think he hurt himself there. So, um, but it was, yeah, I think just guys staying positive and trying, you know, maybe this is the tipping point that will give us okay. some call for no. to keep moving forward. I, I know it's lost in all of it, but catch Kent made out by the Crawford boxes. I mean, how? Yeah, we had just moved him. We had just moved him further into that left center gap and, and deep enough. He's an athletic player and you're trying to fill in while we have all these guys hurt. So that, that, that yeah, it's big time to get the coach at uh, right around one what, 1.30 a.m. maybe is when he did that? He's up there. So, yeah. Uh, but the Aggies, you hope they're not sleepwalking tomorrow night against UIW because you get a day off. That's just mandated uh, in the NCAA schedule. But So they're getting their rest throughout today, uh, but, you know, they'll have to shake things off and get right back to it uh, on, to, on tomorrow night against UIW. And I say shake things off. I mean, you have a victory. You have momentum going into this thing. But, I mean, there, there's got to be some tired Aggies yeah. Yeah. Uh, involved in our baseball program today as they look forward to a five-game week coming up. Softball, they were in Waco. 
at the Ode to Joy Classic. They had two games against Sam Houston, two games against nationally ranked Baylor. They go one and one against Sam, one and one against Baylor. And I guess, Matt, uh, as you witnessed all this uh, this weekend from uh, Waco, uh, the highlight was Emily Kennedy and what she did against the Bears in the Saturday game, and the no-hitter. Yeah, I think it's a, it was a mixed bag, no question, uh, this weekend. And I honestly think that's probably how it's going to be most of this year. There's going to be good. There's going to be not good over the course of this schedule. Um, you know, Emily was great. Honestly, I thought the pitching overall was, was good. Um, you know, Sam's not the best hitting team. Baylor came in pretty hot, and uh, the Aggies, for the most part, handled Baylor. Uh, I, think the, I think for this team, uh, it's the key is going to be situational hitting. Um they only hit, like I'm looking right now, they hit about 220 in the tournament. Um, but they had a bunch of opportunities, especially against Baylor on Saturday. Um, obviously playing without Julia Cottrell right now. Uh, hopefully we get her, her back this weekend at Fayetteville. But um, you know, not, not putting all the pressure on the offense. It's just I think the pitching from what we've seen is probably a big enough sample size currently against uh, good enough offenses uh, to know that they can keep you – interesting keep you interested keep you around in games uh, most all the time um so it's going to be up to the situational hitting and, and somebody stepping up you know this weekend for the aggies keely williams was a kid that was hitting okay uh but she had a big weekend and delivered some really key hits in that uh, she had a home run against sam that helped the aggies win yesterday she had a two-run double against baylor um so you need things like that you know who's going to step up and get the get the big hit so uh but again, definitely a mixed bag. Disappointing loss to Sam uh, Saturday. Talked with Jeff Harger after the game. And said, you know, what did you, or next day, what did you see on film? And he said, he's like, I thought we were too passive at the plate. Uh, big strike zone. Got yourself down in the count. Then you have to start swinging at stuff that's outside the zone to protect the plate. So kind of a self-inflicted wound there. Uh, that is not something the Aggies have really been much of this year is passive at the plate, but. Um, there's that defense, you know, there's still some, they're going to be some, you know, as Thomas Dick likes to say, strikes and gutters, <laughs> uh, you know, some very key miscues, uh, in the games, uh, this weekend, but all in all, I mean, again, okay. I mean, you picked up a win. Baylor's going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're going to be probably a two seed somewhere. Um, they can hit their, uh, they had the, they have the country's RBI leader right now yep. and their pitcher. Uh, that we saw Dari Orm twice, very, very good. Has already thrown a perfect game and a no-hitter this year and uh, shut down Oklahoma. It was pretty good. So um, it, I like the op- I liked the tournament a lot for, the fa- for a couple of reasons. One, it was right up the road. Two, a bunch of Aggies could and did come up and watch it. And three, it gave the Aggies a true road game test for the first time all year. They had not played in a – they had played in some what I would call road environments in the tournaments when all the other teams' fans are there. But road stadium, logos, you know, PA system is pro home team. All that, all those little things for this uh, a lot of freshmen playing on the road for the first time. And now they're heading to two-time defending SEC champs uh, started off on Friday night. So all in all, again, not awesome, but not bad. I mean, there were some, there were some positives out of the weekend for sure. All right, and like you said, defending SEC champs up next, the Aggies start conference play this weekend at Arkansas. So, yeah. And so the SEC schedule is here, but 
David, uh, and you mentioned a little bit up and down when you go through the non-conference schedule. Yeah, everybody's kind of figuring out new coaching staff. They've had an injury there, and and I look at things pretty positively. Uh, you know, they've they've gone toe to toe with some really good teams, yeah. and and you have to prove that before you step into SEC play. No, and I was talking to some people after the game last night, uh, and I'm like, you know, I I know that this team is not where it's just year one, but that's not where Trisha Ford wants it to be. It's just going to take time to build it up to the level that they're used to, what they were used to at Arizona State. Uh, but she's got the kids playing hard. They believe in her system, and. Um, you know, we've all watched a lot of SEC softball, especially the last couple of seasons. And I just think there'll be probably a lot of times, honestly, where this the Aggies are not going to be the better team when they step out on the field, but they're going to be in these games most all the time. And so can you get a big hit? Can you step up and do this? You know, yesterday they lost an extra innings. And I, I kind of like the vibe out there. You know, you get to that late game, the sixth inning, you're able to make some big plays, you keep it at a one-to-one game. You go to the seventh inning, Baylor pressures again. You're able to settle it down. This is with a sophomore in the circle and Emily Levitt. Then you get to the eighth, and you put the runner out at second base, and, you know, they do their thing, and they're set up for a game-winning hit. And I didn't see any panic. I didn't see any of that. Their kid just, you know, it was a two-strike pitch, and the kid just found a way to pop it through the infield to win the game. Like, okay, you know, it's a two-to-one good game against two teams that'll be in the regionals. Like, fine, you know that. I liked some of that vibe that I think will win them games this year that they did not win last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, tough, uh, tough schedule, tough slate as always. Um, and we'll just start with the defending two-time defending <laughs> champs. Why not just jump right in? Yeah, just jump right on into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's the Diamond Report here on Around Aggieland, presented by Anco. Let's switch it over to the Court Report. Men's tennis. Listen to this guy. Wow. Are you guys writing this down? You were the king of the segue. That was big time. You guys write this down. Yeah, I mean, I'm working on me. You've got your laptop. I've got. I'm working on my uh, index card here. So I'll just write it down in ink. Men's tennis has a doubleheader again today at the Mitchell Center. About to crank up noon. They're going to take on South Florida, USF. And then at 6 o'clock tonight, it's UTA, the Mavericks, UT Arlington. So it they had a couple doubleheaders last week, and they involved conference play, the beginning of conference play. Uh, the men start one and one in SEC action. They beat LSU. They lost in a close one to nationally ranked Kentucky, Kentucky top ten program. Yep. So they, they were right in there with it. So that's men's tennis, one and one SEC play. USF today, noon, UTA at the Mitchell Center again, 6 o'clock, so doubleheader at home once more for the men. On the women's side, they started conference play on the road with two wins. They beat Florida and South Carolina last week, so they're 2-0 and to start SEC play. They're 13-1 overall. They're ranked number two in the nation. Coming up for women's tennis, they're at home for a little while now. It's four straight at the Mitchell Center. It's going to begin Friday with Arkansas at 5 o'clock right here in town, and then Sunday, Missouri at noon at the Mitchell Center. That's what's coming up for women's tennis. Told you they beat Florida. They beat South Carolina. They start SEC play 2-0. and After the win over South Carolina, here is their head coach, Mark Weaver. It's an excellent win for our group today. It's never easy to win in the SEC, and it sure isn't any easier winning an SEC road match. I thought South Carolina put up a great fight today. Um, they played an excellent doubles point that we were fortunately ever able to come away with, and um, a lot of tough matches out there in the singles. Uh, some of the courts we played great on, some of the courts we got a little slow, but we found ways and fought hard to get back into the 
matches out there, and we were looking good uh, at the end and when it was all said and done and with a few of those remaining matches. Uh, we've basically been on the road for the entire month of February. We've played nine straight matches on the road, and uh, we're really going to be battle-tested here um, as we're really getting the thick of things of the season. Our team's definitely looking forward to getting back home in Aggieland and getting a little rest and uh, playing in front of the 12th man this coming weekend. So women's tennis, the number two ranked team in the country, now 2-0 and in SEC play, and it's four straight in conference play that they have at the Mitchell Center coming up. It begins Friday with Arkansas, and then it moves to Sunday with Missouri. That's the first two in that homestand coming up this weekend. Uh, we've touched on most of it, but a few more things to hit. Uh, equestrian beat Georgia at home yep. Saturday in an SEC meet. A track is heading to the NCAA Indoor. Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> the old ABQ. Heading west. Yeah, to the ABQ. The 505. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're off and running uh, in Albuquerque this week. NCAA Indoor Championships track and field for the men and women. Also wrote this down. Uh, speaking of uh, another segue for you here. Speaking of speed, Devon A. Chain, fastest running back at the uh, NFL Combine. Fourth fastest running back time in the 40-yard dash. Ever at the Combine? Ever. In the last Number 20 years. this year and yeah. fourth fastest in the last couple decades. Yeah, Chris Johnson holds the record. He ran a 4-2-4 in like 2008. Then Dre Archer from Kent State ran a 4-2-9. And then um, Keith Marshall from Georgia was a 4-3. Mm -hmm. So Devon's fourth, Darren McFadden fifth. So, uh -huh. but I saw this note. Will I, I think I, this morning on the on the Twitter machine that Devon A. Chain, Saquon Barkley, and one other running back. I'm trying to remember who it was on the top. Todd Gurley are the only three running backs in the last 20 years in college football to have 20 career rushing touchdowns, five career receiving touchdowns, and two kickoff returns for touchdowns. Yeah. Those other two guys are pretty good pros. Yeah. <laughs> eh, you know. So, But and Antonio Devon's Johnson was really good, too. Speed, so was Jalen Jones. Uh, Devon, he could take it between the tackles. I mean, he could catch out of the backfield. You could line him up somewhere else. So. Yep. He worked yeah. in the slot a little bit. They did some mm -hmm. kind of extra drills yesterday. So he, mm -hmm. he could be a – versatile back for somebody in the league and i think like i said last week all those guys are at worst day two picks i think yeah. they're all off the board by round three yeah devon a chain antonio johnson and jalen jones up there in indianapolis at the combine and good luck to them as the draft is looming uh about to close it out here what i miss anything what do you guys have down that i don't well you're in charge here man i, I think know. you got that taken care trying of trying to think coming up uh, you know that men's basketball starts friday sec tournament it's either Auburn or Arkansas first, but Sunday, selection Sunday. Yep. See where we are. See what the assignment is. See what the seating is for the NCAA tournament. That's when it all counts in the madness. Baseball, five games this week, four at home. That starts tomorrow, UIW at Bluebell Park. Then it's on the road Wednesday at Rice. Back home this weekend for the Northern Kentucky Series. Softball, Matt's heading out of town. Road trip. Big surprise. Matt's out of town. That's been yeah. three, <laughs> so, weeks, three weeks in a row. You got yeah. that one game in your home booth yeah. against Houston March 1st. That's about all you get right now. I had a great booth. <laughs> uh, great booth in Waco. Was just a, that, right. that stadium is uh, is good, so we were set. I had, we had a whole party in there. Good. Exactly what you needed to do. All right. Well, that will close us out. It's an all-around Aggieland presented by Anco Show today on Studio 12. Have a great week. 
Make sure we see you out at some of these Aggie athletic events, plenty of them during this springtime to hold you over. So I'm Will, Tyler, and Matt joining me on this show. We close it out saying so long from Studio 12 in the south end zone of Kyle Field.